there, my friends. Welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I am delighted that you have reserved this hour to spend with me so we can talk all about the things you are writing, what you are reading, what you are creating. I'm just wondering, do you think you have a book inside of you? We have a brand new year coming up, and sometimes it is in the early days of a new year that you might want to think about what sort of projects will you be getting going on. A book is a big commitment, but when you decide that you want to do it, and if you decide you want a little help and you get a coach to help you along, you might have the very good chance of anticipating that by the end of the year, you will launch that book. That has happened for several of my clients, and especially the one we have in-house for you today. She's been here before. Her name's Becky Gibbler. She is launching her second book come February 1st, 2024. If you were here in the Seattle area and joined us for her first book launch, Born of Grief and Flow. That was exactly one year earlier, February 2nd, 2023. We kicked that off. So Becky not only has decided that writing a book worked out for her, but writing books continues to work out for her. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her story as we get into the show here, but I just have a couple announcements for you. One is, if you are thinking about doing some writing, a book, a blog, a brand, and you would like some help, I have two communities. One is just for women, and that's something really new to me. I always have co-ed groups, but for fun, I have my heroines group. We've just come together and we are looking at what a memoir might look like. What would a weekly blog look like? What would it look like to start your own brand and kick off your website? This isn't for the beginner writer, but you don't have to have five books out there either to qualify. Somewhere in between. Maybe it's going to be your first book. I would love to spend about 30 minutes with you on the phone, see if you qualify, and help you take your next steps. That is my heroines community. And if for any reason I am not the fit you are looking for, no fear. I know many people, and I bet I can find someone that will help you on your desired path. I also have a co-ed group. These are my superstars, I like to call them. And in most cases, they are newer to writing. They might not have a degree in fiction or creative nonfiction or memoir writing. They might be thinking about writing anything. It might even be a couple of love letters to their children. It's for the person that wants to up the ante on their communication and, if they choose, become a little more public in the world world with their words, 
a little more public in the world with their words. Yeah, that's my superstars. So both of these communities are available in 2024. They are open for enrollment now. If you'd like to be in touch with me about either one, just go to CoachDebbie.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y, CoachDebbie.com. Click on Connect and send me a little note, and I will get you hooked up with the information you need. And like I said, if what I offer doesn't line up exactly with what you're needing, let's keep talking because it's likely that I know someone who can give you a helping hand. I have to tell you, I was very happy back there in 2021 when Becky Gibbler looked me up. We had someone very dear in common. It was her life partner of 19 years. It was my colleague of 15 years. That was Pam, and Pam passed away with very little notice at all. It was very, very sudden time. It was heartbreaking to an extended community of hers out here in Shoreline, Washington, and beyond. When Becky reached out, it was time for her to start feeling again. You know how it is when you are numb after a grief time and when in some ways the sadness has led to a sense of numbness. Becky wrote about this in her book, Born of Grief and Flow. And this this captured her photography. She is an amazing photographer, as well as the letters she was writing to Pam, as well as some of the excerpts from her journal, some of the insights she was starting to have around grief. And in that, she decided that a little coaching might take her further along her journey, and she produced that book. A little shout-out to Book Baby, who is her publisher. We offered that book launch on February 2nd, 2023. And during our conversations, one of the things Becky said was, you know, I had been thinking about maybe a road trip, but it's so tricky. It's so tricky. How do we get away? You know, when you're someone like Becky who has a full-time job, and most of us do, and you have a full life, and you have a child, doesn't matter if they're 40 years old or younger, you know, they need you. How do you get away? Becky figured out how to hit the road, and out of that, She created her book, Wherever the Road. And we got together today right here because we want to share ideas that have come up for her on this journey of healing grief and, dare we say, thriving now. And sometimes people are a little put off. It's like, you're thriving. How could that be? But isn't that what you want for your friends and your loved ones who have been grieving, you want them to start moving beyond their life of survival. You want them to start finding ways that they might thrive. So like I was saying, Becky, a really talented photographer, it's something she has been doing since the very early years of her life. 
She combines that with her writing, and she brings it to you in the book, Wherever the Road. I'd like to present Becky to you today. She's here with me live. Welcome, Becky. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for having me again. I'm so glad you are here. And one thing you said to me recently, and I loved it, was writing's easy. (laughs) (laughs) Writing's easy. And you know what, my dear listeners? Writing can be easy when you are really moved to take things on and share them and share your voice. One thing that I know, Becky, is that the road trip became essential. It was something that was going to help you uh, take the next steps in who Becky was becoming. But I'd just love to hear anything you might share with us of, you know, in what ways would you say taking a road trip when you've been grieving your loved ones, how might that be instrumental to your development? For me, it, it gave me a new landscape to distract myself. You know, I had been sitting at home for a couple of years, and uh, it was during the pandemic, so there wasn't a whole lot going on. And most of the time, I was just thinking about my grief and how to work through that. Um, After I wrote the first book, I felt great. But then, as we know, grief ebbs and flows. And when I hit that second calendar year after Pam's death, it, it hit me again. And I knew that I had to take a road trip and just kind of reset my brain. Uh, And you helped me realize that, too. And you said I needed 90 days to accomplish that, Um, which I thought was a long time, but it it ended up being exactly what I needed. Uh, You know, it allowed me to have some time alone on the road to reflect and just pause about where my life was and where I thought it would be going. And I was able to leave the day-to-day stresses behind. And then most importantly, on the road, I, I found myself. Um, I found my new self that I was becoming after Pam's death. When we go through a big change like that, the, the subtlety of who am I now almost becomes an enormity. You know, who am I now and who will I be and how will I honor who we were together? What do I do with this? So sometimes a road trip, it's, it's almost like those kids that are young and they go and they do like a travel abroad, you know, their senior year, and they come back so mature, you know, we hardly recognize them. It's like, who are you, you know, speaking another language? And, and they educate us in a certain way. And I, I noticed that about you when you came back you were all of a sudden someone who had an understanding of grief and you had a desire then to start to do a little bit more. A lot happened on that trip. But before I get too ahead of myself, I just want to learn about a key concept that any of us have to learn about when we're grieving. And that is, what did the road trip help you understand around control and how you might have been trying to control timing or anything else while you were on the road? Well, my friends and family know that I'm kind of a control freak. And so I learned to absolutely relinquish control. 
um, you know, the only thing I had control over or have control over now is is my attitude. Uh, and, you know, I wake up every day and I am determined to live life to the fullest. On the road trip, it became apparent early on that I had no control and that was okay. Uh, as the, the title says, wherever the road, I, I went wherever the road took me. Um, I had really no agenda, no itinerary, and that ended up being the best way that I could have done this road trip. Um, giving up c- control was good because, as you know, when someone dies, you you have no control over that. Um, you have no control over your life changing, and it does. It changes in huge ways. And so I, it's kind of nice now to not you know, I realize I don't have control. I I try not to control things as much, and my life is better for that. And when we go through a change like that, it's almost as if we don't even know if we control anything beyond making a cup of coffee in the morning. Like our whole day seems to be out of our control. Yes. Everything. And and there are incredible learning experiences there, but wow, when you take yourself onto the road, all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm starting to feel alive again, you know? So there, there's this really, really interesting spiritual lesson. Uh, anytime you leave home, anytime you really want to get in touch with who is this version of me now. But I know this about road trips. I mean, even if you're not working on a book, you're going to have surprises, right? You're going to have surprises. What I remember about you, Becky, was you went very prepared to be on the road and you were very open to the idea that uh, this might be a great time to make some friends along the way. You weren't sure how, you weren't sure if it was even possible, but what would it look like if you were open to it? So tell us just a little bit about the surprises that came up while you were on the road and you were tending to your grief. Okay, yes. Uh, I kind of had a vision before I left for the road trip, and that was that I would meet friends at a campfire. I had no idea how that would happen because I'm an introvert and I don't usually put myself out there to meet new people. Uh, But (laughs) at one of the the hotels I stayed at, there was a campfire each night. And I even had to force myself to go out the night that it happened. Um, I was going to stay back in the room, but I decided to go because here I was trying to relinquish control and allow whatever would happen, happen. So I went out and I met two wonderful women out there who were college roommates. Uh, Shout out to Carrie and Mary. Hope they're listening. And we became instant friends. We, We talked Late into the early morning hours, we drank cheap wine and <laughs> laughed about things. And I, I felt really comfortable sharing my story with them. Um, and I had a draft of my first book with me that I let them read. And, you know, we just clicked. We've been friends ever since. And um, I, I hope they come to the book launch so that everybody can meet them there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they will. I'm absolutely sure they will. We, we talk sometimes about this notion that whenever we're upgrading our life so that we can find our way back into our life, there's usually some themes. And, 
as we continue to talk today, we might be talking around choice, around freedom, and around possibilities. As Becky and I were working through some life coaching skills and she was writing her drafts, these were three themes that came up that were really guiding for Becky. For any of you listening who are in a place of grief, you might want to take this to a professional and just see what might be my areas that could guide me. Is it making choices? Is it seeing into possibilities? Is it being open to the small and the massive freedoms that can come from either? We're going to take a quick break right here, but I want to invite you to call in and talk with us if you are moved to. Our number here is 1-888-298-5569. We're talking with Becky Gibbler and her brand new book coming out, Wherever the Road. Stay tuned, my friends. We'll be right back with more Story You Talk Radio with Coach Debbie. But first, a quick reminder. Story You Talk Radio guest and author Becky Gibbler's book launch is Thursday, February 1st. Be sure and come to Third Place Books at their Lake Forest Park location. The event is free. Seating begins at 6.30 with a live interview at 7 o'clock with Coach Debbie and second-time author Becky Gibbler. Learn about the 55-day solo road trip that inspired her book, Wherever the Road. Meet the author and get your book signed. Again, that's February 1st at Third Place Books. Stay up to date by signing up for Coach Debbie's newsletter and by tuning in right here every Thursday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time for the live broadcast of Story You Talk Radio with Coach Debbie. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I'm Coach Debbie, your writing coach here at KKNW. I hope you catch our shows on Thursdays. We offer you a new topic live every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We also have the Encore show available And that is 6 a.m. for your commute, early morning commute, Pacific time zone, and 9 a.m. Eastern. You can follow us on your favorite podcast platforms. Eric makes a beautiful podcast of every single show. And we're out there on Apple, Podcast One, Spotify, and wherever you like to go to listen to your podcasts. We're talking today with Becky Gibbler. She is a friend and client who is writing her, she has written her second book. It is called Wherever the Road. It will be launched in the Seattle area, Lake Forest Park, third place books on February 1st, 2024. You are invited. We would love to see you there. In her book, she has her amazing photography from about how many states did you visit, maybe? On that trip, I think it was nine. Nine states. It's beautiful. She incorporated 
uh, Zion. Um, I like to think that was dedicated to me, but not not necessarily. But it is a place where if I were a talented photographer when I was in Zion, I would have pictures galore. But I, I'm not talented. I just have all these silly ones on my phone. It, it, she captured these feelings in her photography as well as in her writing, which we're going to get to. She also captured 10 lessons to help the reader along. Becky has gone on to receive a certification through David Kessler's grief program. And if you are familiar with the grief programs in the United States, his stands out as, I think, one of the most revered. She came up with 10 lessons. I just want to point out a couple for you because you might go, oh, very interesting, especially if you have gone through some grief. One is people are better than you think they are, but it's still okay to keep your guard up. You know, that's a really good lesson. As we process grief, we find out so many good things and good intentions about people. We find out how much they want to care for us, how much they want to look after us. Does that mean you have to be completely and wholly trusting of everyone in front of you? No. Becky realized no. But she also puts a really, really great insight chapter. This is chapter two about people and their intentions. Another one I love is always follow your intuition, but sometimes understand that you might find yourself in a situation where you might not, where you just might not. And then you'll come back and reflect and go, oh, I could have. Becky has some stories for you around that. I don't want to give the whole book away. We will have in the show description ways for you to pre-order the book as well as buy a signed copy if you come to Third Place Books, February 1st, 2024. Now, one of the things that is so fun about working with Becky is that she's not one who resists the writing process. I would say she really lets her photography lead, and she also found writing to help her. She told me once, I wrote from a place of vulnerability and no expectations. So in my upcoming communities, I think I'm going to let her teach on that because these are two things that are tricky for writers. How do I get into that state of vulnerability and go with it? How might I even write by having no expectations? But Becky is someone that's got not only experience with this, but she's pretty open-minded around it. Tell us a little bit about that, what you meant about vulnerability and no expectations when writing a book. Sure. Um, well, I, I wrote both books for myself and my own healing with no expectations of publishing either one. And so I think that allowed me to be more vulnerable because I, I didn't think anyone would read either book. So that... You know, I found that that was the best way for me to get into the process and, and just not worry about what other people were thinking. 
because I've never allowed myself to be this vulnerable before. Um, I also realized that the books that I enjoy reading the most are where the author is vulnerable. And so th that kind of encouraged me to, to go ahead and do that also. Um, you know, another thing is that I was talking to people after, who read the first book, and the thing that came up consistently was, I love how vulnerable you were. I love that you were completely honest in your process. So I realized it, it is very important to do that and just determined to keep doing it, even though they are being published and a couple of people are reading them. Yeah, oh, way beyond a couple people reading. And the cool thing about writing a book that at least I have discovered is the people that need to find your book do. Right. You know, they do. Uh, I have a relative who heard the title, purchased the book, gave it to a dear friend, and in her own words, this changed me. So when we put ourselves out there with no expectations, but we're, we're vulnerable about our story, and it doesn't mean that Becky shared every last intimate detail about her life. That wouldn't have been appropriate. But she did decide what goes in here that maybe, you know, five years prior, I wouldn't have thought of myself as a person to share, to share so openly. And I think you learned along the way that one of the reasons we can share is because we're learning through our writing and our photography and whatever else we decide to put in our books that we're serving ourselves and later that this will serve others. Can you tell us just a little bit about your experience there? Right. You know, in my early grief, I, I could barely help myself, so I, I could not serve others at all. And this is very typical for people who are grieving. But once you start to heal and you learn wh what works for you and your grief, um, you, you're hopefully able to help others who are grieving. And that's what I'm, I feel so strongly that I want to support people who are grieving um, so I've worked very hard on my own healing. And part of that, as you mentioned, was becoming a certified grief educator through the David Kessler's Grief.com program. And others are just, you know, counseling and journaling and photography. Um, and what I've found is that I seem to be kind of a magnet now for people who want to talk about grief, like random strangers. And it, it's incredible to, you know, I... I uh, volunteer for Camp Aaron, which is a, a camp for kids who are grieving ages uh, 6 to 17. And so I have a jacket that has Camp Aaron on it. And so many people have asked me what that, what it is. What is Camp Aaron? So I get the opportunity to talk to them about what it is and about serving others in grief. And I have heard so many stories from people who just then open up about losing their parents or losing their kids and you know, their spouses. And it, it's an incredible opportunity for me to to share what I have learned or even just bear witness to their pain, which so many people need and don't get. And when you say people see your jacket with Camp Aaron on it, you're you're talking about people walking up to you in the bank or something yes. like this who you've never spoken to before. Yes. I, one man in particular um, it, it just warmed my heart in the grocery store. He he just randomly came up to me and we started talking and he, he told me about his mom who had passed. And then he told me about his son who had passed. And we talked for 20 minutes about grief and healing. And I know we both left there 
feeling so much better. Yeah, and imagine, imagine if, if we all had like a jacket on that could initiate such conversations about our own journey. You know, that's really inspiring to me. But also, I'm sure you're very aware that you were wearing the jacket at the most opportune time for you to open up and share. If you had volunteered when you weren't quite ready, you wouldn't have been able to stand in the middle of a bank and and share with someone about your departed one and, and the losses there. So it's really interesting how when we take our time processing, being intentional, working with grief, getting some help around it, that we start to see life purpose unfolding. I know Becky probably never thought of herself as someone that would be volunteering in a hospice and having the wherewithal to sit with those that needed it. I know in my own volunteer um, experiences, before I, before I lost a few people very close to me, it never would have occurred to me to reach out and find life purpose in that way, something you and I have in common. And yet it's so natural, you know, it's so natural. I used to, similar to your story, I used to wear a particular ring and any time... I had these really pretty stones in it. Anytime I would travel, somebody would say, oh, where'd you get that ring? You know, if they sat next to me on the airplane or something like that, and it it would open up the story of loss. And the next thing you know, they're telling me for the next two and a half hours until we get to LAX uh, what they needed to share. And they hadn't really had that opportunity to just sit there and share so this gentleman you run into in the store for 20 minutes, you know, didn't really have that opportunity. There's a certain funny safety in strangers, you know. Sometimes there's this interesting way of offering a little more, and I don't know, our subconscious kind of protects us in that way. It's like we, we can offer, but we also find purpose in it. I love the fact that you know that this book is your second and a third and a fourth is on the way. Yes. So somehow photography and writing and books have started to become part of your life purpose. Yeah. Yes. Yes, for sure. And I love it. I, five years ago, even three years ago, right? If you had told me I'd be here today, I would have thought you were crazy. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But realistically, you know, it, uh, it such a horrible tragedy has brought so much purpose to my life. Before Pam died, I would never have been able to do this work. Um, I did not have an understanding of really what it meant to grieve. And there's no way that I could support others who are grieving because I just didn't know what I know now. Exactly. And who could expect it, you know? We can't expect people to have the capacity to know if it's not part of the journey that they've walked. At the same time, there are people in a journey and not sure how to walk it. So I think it's really lovely that folks like yourself, Becky, have really felt called to be 
someone in the world that can be called on. Your, your shoulder is tapped when you're wearing your jacket. Conversations are opened and you are saying, yes, yes, you can ask me. Yes, I will tell you about this. And I don't think it's any mistake, the people that see you and ask about it. Have you ever had a situation where someone said, oh, a grief place? Okay, see ya, bye. <laughs> no, and, and you're right, it's never a mistake. We, I think that we are drawn to the people we need to speak to at the moment, right? We're in each other's lives for a reason. We meet strangers for a reason. Sometimes they become friends, and other times they allow us to tell our story without judgment and walk away and feel more fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Would you be open to uh, telling us just a little bit around, I know we didn't plan on talking about this, but I'm curious now, if you have any sort of like writing practice or does it feel best to you to just do, like if you're moved to take photographs, you go and do it. If you're moved to write, you do it. Yes, I take photos all the time. I, photography is my passion. And so that's really easy for me. The writing for the first two books, it has come very easily to me. Uh, I'm not sure why. I feel like maybe Pam has something to do with that. She's kind of guiding me. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's, uh, you know, sometimes I wake up at two in the morning and say, oh, I, I need to take a note about this thought because this should go in a book. And, and so I have a lot of notes on my phone from waking up in the middle of the night um, the third book, I know what I want to say, but I don't know how I want to say it. And so that's the only one so far I've, I've struggled with. I've started it, but I'm, you know, kind of putting it on the back burner. I'll think about it a lot. And then I know one day it's just going to come out. Oh, cool. We have fun work coming up then. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. And I'm not seeing you um, suffer by not knowing exactly what's going to be in that book. No, that's uh, part of relinquishing the control. <laughs> I, I just strongly feel that whatever people need to hear from me, that's what's going to come out onto the paper. So yeah, yeah. I, it's not really under my control. It's just kind of whatever, whatever happens, happens, right? Yeah, that's really leaning into your creativity and your trust as well. Mm-hmm. Would I know for for my own experience, um, I found that I started to learn where I was trusting life and where I wasn't trusting life. But one thing that was much easier for me was to start trusting that creativity would take me right where I needed to go. Yes, that's exactly what I've been doing. Yeah. yeah. And do you foresee that you have another road trip in you at some point? Perhaps. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I bet you do. I think you got a lot of momentum from that. Yeah. You know, getting away from it all. And I think that's good information for those of us that are are listening and thinking, gosh, could I could I really make some traction in my life? If I took 30 days away from home, for you, it was about 55? It was exactly 55. Exactly. I planned on a month, but that just wasn't long enough, so I kept going. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
And at work, they weren't, you know, threatening to fire you or anything like no. that? <laughs> no, I had, I had at the time, I don't work there anymore, but I had an incredible boss who worked with me and, and got me the time off that I needed. He, he realized how crucial it was for my mental health to, mm -hmm. to go on that road trip. Yeah, I want to encourage people when you need time, go and ask for it. That That's what you did. You asked for it. And my memory was they didn't say, well, 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 we'll think on this and have a meeting and get back to you in two weeks and let you know all the protocol. It it was pretty much done. It was right away. Yeah. 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 He, he really heard what I was saying and worked with me on that. Yeah. yeah. Grief is big and people want you to have what you need. So when you know you need something, go ask for it or call me up and I'll I'll speak on your behalf. I'll help you out. <laughs> It's important that you get what you need. We have more to talk about. I do want to remind you, if you're looking for a community where you can write, if you're a woman, I have my heroines. This is a slightly advanced group. Or if you'd like to join my co-ed group, more beginner level, that is the superstars. I'd love to share more with you about it. Just go to CoachDebbie.com, click on Connect, let me know you're interested. And I'll send you all the information. Hang out for another minute here. We're going to take a quick break and come right back. You know Coach Debbie from Story You Talk Radio. But do you know about her annual membership? Well, now you do. And you're invited. Become the author of your dreams and upscale your career. Transform your home or grow your income. Create any future you desire. You'll learn the skills that allowed Coach Debbie to author her own life and transform her most difficult challenges as a writer, teacher, and especially as a person with low vision. The membership doors are open. Just sign up for the newsletter and qualify for the early bird special. Simply go to CoachDebbie.com. That's Coach D-E-B-B-Y, CoachDebbie.com. As a subscriber, you could win a premium coaching session and begin the new year with confidence. We'll be right back with more Story You Talk Radio with Coach Debbie. But first, a quick reminder. Story You Talk Radio guest and author Becky Gibbler's book launch is Thursday, February 1st. Be sure and come to Third Place Books at their Lake Forest Park location. The event is free. Seating begins at 6.30 with a live interview at 7 o'clock with Coach Debbie and second-time author Becky Gibbler. Learn about the 55-day solo road trip that inspired her book, Wherever the Road. Meet the author and get your book signed. Again, that's February 1st at Third Place Books. Stay up to date by signing up for Coach Debbie's newsletter and by tuning in right here every Thursday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time for the live broadcast of Story You Talk Radio with Coach Debbie. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. It is a pleasure to spend this hour with you every week. We are live on Thursdays, 4 o'clock Pacific and 7 p.m. on the Eastern Coast. We like to bring you a new topic every week, and we center it around the stories you are living by, the stories you are writing, the stories that are helping you expand and become even more than you are right now. 
I know this was part of Becky's experience, definitely been part of my experience, that there are these things in life that end up being our teachers. Grief is something Becky and I have had in common in losing people, sometimes with little notice or no notice at all, and trying to find what is life now, now that we are on this side of loss. How are we going to find our words around it? While Becky was studying in David Kessler's program, she heard this term and shared it with me. I think it's amazing. It's called grief illiteracy. She shared with me that pretty much as a society, we are grief illiterate. And you know what? We are. We have a heck of a time knowing what to say to someone when they're grieving. And yet, Sometimes when you are working on your own process, it becomes important to figure out how you are going to come into a more literate state with your own grief and with those around you that are having their own process. But I think for you, Becky, there was there was some learning in this, you know, some desire to learn your own literacy and educate people with your books. Can you talk to us a little about that? Sure. Yes. You know, there's so much we don't talk about regarding future grief, like thinking that someone we love will die because we were either afraid to talk about it or even our own death. Um, we're afraid to talk about it or we just don't really think it will ever happen to us. Um, but there's a 100% guarantee that we're all going to die. So we kind of need to get used to the fact that Planning ahead would be something that would be beneficial to us. Um, and, you know, when it does happen, we don't always find the support we need because the people around us have not experienced that grief and don't know how to talk to us about it. They don't know how to support us. So with my books, what I'm trying to do is help support people who are grieving by letting them know that they're not alone and it does get better. And then to support people or uh, educate people who are supporting people who are grieving so that they know kind of what to say, but more importantly, what not to say. Uh, and it's okay to say nothing. I said this before in my first book, as long as you are there and you're present and you can just sit and bear witness and let them talk or let them cry, you know, don't, don't make them think that crying is bad um, because it's not. And don't let them know that they're not alone. That's important too, um, because you feel when you're going through this, you feel like you're alone and nobody else has ever gone through it before, even though <laughs> people do all the time. But when you're in deep grief, you just, you can't comprehend that. Yeah. Your mind will tell you that, that I'm the first person on the planet to have gone through this and there's absolutely no one to talk to. And sometimes the mind goes there because when you try to talk a little bit about it, the response you get is so far from how you're, you're feeling or coping at that moment. Your mind will say, this isn't safe. This is something private. Can't really talk about it. The thing that I think came as such a big surprise to me, and I remember you sharing it, is that once you make your way through many months, a year, many months after that, 
You get a little space from your regular life. Maybe you take a road trip like Becky. There's this moment. I, I, I remember it in some of my processes, and I was elated when Becky said it to me, where she said, I came to understand that life is a gift, and I'm not here just to survive. I'm actually here to thrive. We decided to call this show today Thriving After Loss. Now, someone in their early days of grieving is going to say, I will never thrive again. It's almost a declaration to the departed of I'm, I'm standing strong in the story we made together. But I think our departed want us to go on and be our best and to be any new versions of ourselves that we discover as true. And I know you've done a lot of exploration here. What would you like to tell us about thriving instead of just surviving? Well, you know, before I, I answer that question, I need to give a shout out to Joey in the coffee shop, right? Joey we, in the coffee shop. <laughs> we met the other day. Uh, we, were, we were trying to come up with a title for the show and asked him specifically about three different titles. And he said he liked uh, Thriving After Loss the best. So, so thank because you, Joey. Because it encapsulated the narrative. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. We hope to see you at the book launch, Joey. You were well, a lot of fun. He was. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, not just surviving, but thriving. For the first few months, I didn't even want to be here. So for me to be able to say today that I'm thriving and life is a gift and I love life is a surprise to me. Um, but it has been a journey and many steps along the way. I had to ask myself, if I had died first, what would I want for Pam? And of course, I would want her to thrive. I would want her to be happy and live her life to the fullest. And so every day, you know, part of the choice I make is to find ways to honor Pam and and living my life to the fullest is a way to do that. I know that she would be happy with how I'm living my life. She would be encouraging me to, you know, go out and take more road trips and do whatever makes me happy and to support others who are grieving um, mostly that, like she would love this part of the, you know, helping people. I I think that just about anyone, if we had the opportunity to turn the mic on anyone that has gone on, if we could somehow just say, hey, you know, we're running this little interview at the radio station. We We don't want to bother you wherever you are now, but we just need to know would you prefer that we thrive? I just think it would be this unanimous vote. And there are many, many people that speak of the signs and the situations that have fulfilled their lives in which they feel like they've been validated into that place of, of releasing the survival. The survival got us so far and really embracing thriving. And you came back from that road trip a wee bit different. Very right? much so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a wee bit different. And it wasn't so much that you were, you know, on fire for life. It's just that you were, if I could say it, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you were a part of life at that point again. Yes, you're right. I, 
I rejoined the Livian, you, so to speak. You did. Yeah. You really did. You were a part of it. You weren't wondering if I can make it through one day at a time anymore. You were like, oh, yeah, I, I'm I living. I can do this. Yep. Yeah, I was really, really impressed to watch you. Thank you. And I think it's important anyone who feels like, you know, part of the alone feeling I experienced was due to the fact that I feel I'm in a particular community where there isn't much representation. This is something Becky and I talked a bit about, and I want to give you the opportunity. Is there anything you would like to say directly to the LGBTQ plus community, Uh, especially as you learned that there just wasn't literature specific for them to easily go and pick up? Right. Uh, There wasn't. Like, I wanted a book like mine when I was going through the early grief. And I couldn't find it, so I wrote this. (laughs) I wrote Mm -hmm. it for myself. I also wrote it for the LGBTQ plus community uh, when I realized that there weren't that many resources for us. Uh, You know, there are so many layers of grief that everybody goes through, but the LGBTQ plus community goes through even more because... In some cases, they're not accepted by the family of their partner who died or their, you know, whatever family member it is who died. Um, sometimes they get left out of funeral arrangements and even knowing where their loved one is buried. And, you know, luckily for me, I didn't go through that. Um, Pam's cousins have been great and accepted Spencer, my son, and I uh, as family. I mean, they, they let us know right away. You're still our family. We still love you. So, but I've read stories of LGBTQ plus community members who just have horrible experiences. So I want them to know that, you know, you're not alone. It does get better. Please don't give up. There are resources out there. Um, Hopefully my book is just one of many that will become available in time. And there are grief groups online that you can join. Um, In the middle of the pandemic, that was what I had to do. And really, it it helped so much. Um, Because all this began in 2020. It did, yeah. 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 And now I think you're finding that these core concepts that we started with, we, we had to start at a time when survival is all that was going on, but we transitioned over to thriving it was starting to notice that, A, there are possibilities. And if we can embrace possibilities, then B, we'll start to feel some freedoms, you know, some freedoms, like the freedom to take a road trip. And the road trip will open up to more and more and more choices that you're a part of and that lead you to thriving. Yeah. Are these ideas things that you ever share with people about your own journey or or that help you in your day when you start your day, this notion of choosing or freedom or noticing possibility? You know, I think they just come out organically in yeah. conversations that I have. I, I don't necessarily name the words, although I feel them all the time. The the freedom to choose a path that I think is meant for me, 
maybe I'm not choosing it. Maybe it's chosen me. But, uh, you know, I, I had the courage to quit the job I was working, um, you know, when, when Pam had died. And I stayed there a little bit longer, but it wasn't where I was meant to be. It, it, you know, I feel like I'm meant to serve people who are grieving. And um, I just couldn't do that any longer. So organically, the the concepts of possibility, freedom, and choices come up every day in my life. And they led to your transformation of not just healing, but also finding purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to our listeners, we we just say that whether you decide to sit down and write a journal or an article or a book or just speak it into the ear of your neighbor, whatever you need to express about your grief, you are not wrong. You are not wrong. There are, there are many, many ways to process it. But without help, often it feels like there's no way to process it. There's no way to get through it. I know I've been there. I know Becky has felt that strongly. These books that Becky are writing, Born of Grief and Flow, her first book, and the second book, Wherever the Road, they're going to give you a soothing effect as soon as you see her photography. As soon as you see some of the sweet things she decided to add, I'm remembering some notes, uh, handwritten notes that Pam wrote to you, uh, things that you wrote back to her, how she brings you into processing life and understanding that there will be more life. There will be more life for you. When you are going through something like this, make sure you do whatever you need to do to get help there is usually far more help around you than you can possibly know. I know for me, I started by asking one person to be my resource of finding help. And all of a sudden, there was a lot of help around me. And I got to choose. If you have some sort of story you would like to work out on paper, I am a life coach that specializes in writing books, blogs, and brands. Most of my clients begin with writing their journals, an excellent place to begin your writing process. Whether you are surviving through something or you are really thriving in something, give yourself the permission to express yourself. If I can be of help to you, you can find me at coachdebbie.com. Click on connect and I will reply. Until next Thursday, my friends, take good care of you. We'll be back with a new topic then. Namaste. Namaste.